This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I think one of the the big secret sauces of our team is is having access to really amazing talent and getting really amazing talent on these branded shows so that people are already coming in as a fan of a certain personality or have a certain trust of this personality and, and really creating a show that doesn't feel like a big fat ad, but really feels like stories that we're connecting to and that we're interested in. This is Podcast Perspectives, a show about the latest news in the podcast industry and the people behind it. I'm your host, Jeff Umbro, founder and CEO of The Podglomerate. Joining me today is Amber Smith, Director of Audience Development at iHeartMedia for Custom Podcasts, which is a fancy way of saying branded podcasts for the network. As of May 2023, iHeart launched a new audio imprint called Ruby. The Ruby team's mandate is to create custom podcasts for brands in their audio division. Amber, in her role as Director of Audience Development, spends a lot of time thinking through how to bring that audience through the doors to hit play on these shows. In this interview, we dive into how she does that, so let's get right to it. Thank you so much for joining us, Amber. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here, Joe. Yeah. You have an eclectic career that brought you to podcasting. I do. Can you give us the cliff notes on that? Sure. So my career began in journalism. So before I kind of jumped into podcast, I had my master's in journalism and I was at the Today Show. And I was on the breaking news and politics team during the 2016 election. So very intense, a little different than podcasting, live TV is pretty intense. And so I I definitely was looking for a change. Audio had never really been in my sphere. I'd always been like broadcast journalism heavy. But yeah, an opportunity came with SiriusXM to kind of jump over into the podcast space. This was in like 2016. So I I, I knew like very little about podcasting at that time, but I definitely gave myself a boot camp, jumped in, and I loved the freedom of the medium. When I first jumped to SiriusXM, I was a producer there when they first were trying to figure out what they wanted to do with podcasting. How can we make some of our shows into podcast? And kind of the team that figured out what that was going to look like and and kind of launched that whole thing. And then after that, I moved over to partnerships because I realized, you know, there's this whole other side of the industry, this business side. Not a lot of people look like me on this side of the industry. What can I learn and how can I be of service bringing different voices to the table on the partnership side? And then my journey kind of went in from there and I went from partnerships to where I am now in audience development. It's so funny because you're at iHeart today and you are working for Ruby, which is iHeart's branded podcast arm. And just to put this in context, iHeart is the largest audio publisher in the world. They publish more than 800 podcasts. They 
own 800 plus radio stations in 160 plus markets. They have an app, they have hosting and digital technology platforms for the audio space. They run live events. Podcasts alone account for 377 million monthly downloads across 30 million unique listeners. This is a really, really big organization. Like a lot of what you all are doing on the branded side is taking the client dollars from the advertising market and putting it towards, I guess, more creative solutions, more unique offerings. Can you walk us through like, what is Ruby? What does Ruby do? Yeah. So we have a really unique model that I think is really special and something because iHeart is everything audio. We have the radio, we have podcast, we have so many shows and audiences already built in to play with and really connect to. I think iHeartRadio reaches nine out of 10 consumers on a daily basis. So what's cool about the Ruby model is when a client comes in, they buy media. What they actually purchase is media and they get the podcast as a benefit of purchasing that media. For a listener who may not be aware, when you say they purchase media, is that like advertising across like audio? Yeah, that's advertising across audio, right? Broadcast and podcast are two networks. So they purchase media. Their media runs obviously in their podcast. So they're building an audience for themselves and creating an intimate relationship with these stories that are connected to their brand, but they're also getting exposure across the iHeart network. And what does that conversation look like? So I don't know, big Fortune 500 brand comes to you guys and says, I want to advertise across all of your audio properties. What makes you guys say like, hey, we should make a podcast for this particular brand? Like what makes you pull that trigger as opposed to just selling ads across the the spectrum? Yeah, I think it's the brands who have really have a story to tell. Now, I'm not as much a, a part of this pitch process as I am kind of like post-sale, like, okay, we have this show now, we're like, how are we going to build an audience for it? Once, you know, our sales team determines like, oh, they would be great for the for our podcast product, our, our um, custom podcast product, then our team comes up with pitches based on the brand, like what kind of show would really connect to the audience they're trying to reach. And we kind of go from there, like what we think will, will really connect to people, what hosts we think will really connect to them whether it be talent that's already on our network or talent that we have connections to. And we kind of build a show literally based around that. And it's it's a really fun collaborative process with the team. Like for Chasing Sleep, for example, season two, we kind of created a whole new show for them. I don't know if you saw on the news today, but the podcast increased sales by 45%. That was really cool to see like a, a podcast have that kind of effect, you know, B2C on sales. But it's because we created a really cool show. So season one of Chasing Sleep was all about unique ways to sleep, like people who have unique uh, jobs and how they can really maximize their sleep. And we interviewed people who like work in the ER, people who work in breaking news, a wildlife photographer who has to like sit in trees for, you know, an inordinate amount of time. Oh, like no. how do they? Yeah. This podcast, Chasing Sleep, is from Mattress Firm. So Mattress Firm comes to you guys. They say, I want to, you know, sell a bunch of mattresses, maybe a pillow here and there. And you guys say, okay, let's figure out who your target market is and let's build a show surrounding the idea of how we can reach them. What does it actually look like? Like when they're trying to decide like how to structure this show, how do they figure out like booking the talent, what the structure of the show is, like how they're trying to actually reach these people? Because I imagine while it is direct to consumer, like they're probably not putting like mattress ads in the middle of this thing, are they? Yeah. Yeah, the mattress firm media does run in the show. Okay. Um, but I think that's where Ruby comes in. We're the experts, right? We're the podcast experts. Yeah. So our EPs and producers are incredible. So they kind of like build an entire vision 
alongside our brand partner of like, okay, what who do we want to reach? What do you want this to look like? These are the big influencers in this world. This is how we envision creating a really engaging and connecting show. They kind of create the vision for them. Of course, there's a back and forth. Like there's certain things a brand, you know, definitely wants to have and shows things that they don't. And we kind of create alongside with them and create something really cool, which we saw with Mattress Firm that really did result in trust in the brand, trust enough to go in store and brick and mortar and purchase mattresses. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In May of 2023, iHeart officially like launched Ruby as a branded podcast kind of company within the company. Why and how is that different from like the branded podcast production that was happening like since like 2019 at the company? You know, I think our team grows growing exponentially. We grew from like six people to 13 people within the span of a year. And I think iHeart just really saw the value in what our team was creating And we saw the value too. And we wanted to kind of stand out in the market as like, hey, we are this original, different, new thing. So we came up with Ruby as our name. It's like part of iHeart, the red, the Ruby, you get it. And it's been really cool for us to have just our own brand and own standing within the iHeart family. And do you think that that is kind of viewed the same way within iHeart as like a Black Effect Network or Big Money Players or a Pushkin? Exactly. That's exactly how we kind of see it in the range of things and how we operate in all of that. And just one point of clarification, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Ruby is wholly owned by iHeart, whereas some of the examples I just gave are like licensed deals with like publishers. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we, we are just, Ruby is the branded content studio within iHeart. And we also wanted to brand it because we want to be able to expand as well and grow with the industry. So, you know, as video podcasts become a thing, maybe we'll be creating video one day, like, you know, just that ability to expand beyond just custom podcast team. We're Ruby now. We're a branded content studio. And all you guys are doing all day, every day is thinking about branded podcasts, correct? Yeah. And thinking about how to innovate, how to do really cool things with audio. What are the things we can do outside of the podcast? Are there live events? Can we connect to other iHeart live events? What other ways can we connect our brand partners to really cool audiences in new and unique ways? When I think of a branded podcast, to be blunt, like I think of something that's kind of boring, like maybe some company that, you know, is selling, I don't know, pharmaceuticals or mattresses or, or whatever, doing, you know, a chat show with somebody who works at the company and maybe a customer. You all do not do that. You all do like really, really clever concept shows that like really bring people to the table. How do you differentiate the work that you all do and maybe some of these smaller branded firms that are kind of specializing in that? And then also like, how do you convince the companies to do this? That that probably isn't very easy. No, it's not. It's definitely like we we create with them. We walk along with them. And, and like I said, we come in as the experts of like, hey, this is what we see really works. We have the benefit of having the iHeart Podcast Network to play with. So we have all this data and all these built-in audiences that we know how to play with. 
And so I think that really builds trust with brands to be like, okay, they know what they're doing. They've built this machine, right? So maybe we can trust them to do something a little riskier, do something a little more fun, a little edgier with our brand. Yeah, I think that's been one of the main ways that we've been able to build trust and really create some really fun, really cool content um, with brands. And we we haven't officially touched on this yet, but you are the director of audience development at iHeart for custom podcasts. So like, what do you actually do all day? So my job is to really develop our audience strategy. Once a brand comes to us and we have a show that we're going to create, okay, how do I get this show to its people? So on a day-to-day basis, if I'm launching a show, I'm building that strategy. I'm having conversations internally of like, okay, what audiences are we going to play well? What, who are we going to do host reads with? for this show, what's really going to mix well with that? What kind of assets do we need to really promote this show? And where does this audience live? So really thinking critically about like where these people live and where to touch them. And also like sometimes it's not on the iHeart Network. Sometimes I, I reach out to audiences externally to other shows, different shows. Like for example, for the sleep show, we reached out to a lot of really you know successful sleep shows that aren't necessarily on our network and really engage with them as well. So mine is all about like how can we think within our network and how can we think outside? How can we really get this content to meet its people? And once this content has met its people, how can we optimize in real time? That's another really large part of my job. Okay, we've launched these you know, X, Y, and Z campaigns. How are they doing? What's really performing well for us? And I think that's one really cool way to see such big success like we saw with Mattress Firm of like, we really zeroed in, found out what worked and optimized episode over episode, <laughs> season over season to really touch the audience they, that they were trying to reach. And what did that conversation look like with Mattress Firm? I know that they probably have like a massive marketing department that buys ads all the time. And But this is probably a new experience for, for whoever's in charge over there. It's totally. And we and we work together. So uh, again, they we, we kind of build this trust as like we're the experts in the podcast space and they kind of let me do my thing. But also we work together with their marketing departments as well. Like, okay, how can we work together on getting some PR? What are ways that you can use your channels to promote the podcast as well? Like, how can we promote the podcast in stores? Like, what are different creative ways where we can use this amazing massive platform that you have built as well to really come together and hit our audience? And do you think that audience development is actually any different for branded shows as opposed to like working on any other type of podcast content? No, I think if you have a really good show, then it's it's just like working with any other type of show. It's still like, where where is my audience? How do I meet them? How do I get there? The only difference are the ads that run in the show are usually specifically for that brand. So what kind of tactics are you using to grow, for example, the Mattress Firm show? And then what kinds of tactics would you be using to grow the House of Dragon podcast with Jason Concepcion? Okay, so for example, season two of Mattress Firm, we had two new hosts, which was Katie Lowe's and her husband, Adam Shapiro. And this was a really cool case study for me because Katie Lowe's already has two shows on the iHeart Network under Shonda Land. So she had an, a kind of a built-in audience with us and a built-in audience that the brand could maximize on as well, which was really cool to see. So we did the the feed drops into her other shows. We ran spots across Shondaland because people who are fans of Shondaland, they know Katie. And that proved to work and be really, really effective in this second season. So we were able to see a lot of really cool organic growth with this show. Also, having hosts who have massive platforms of their own, like she does, the engagement we got on social assets was crazy. And what was really cool about Mattress Firm is we didn't create like audiograms, right? We didn't create audiograms. We didn't do animations. We didn't do clips from the show. It was literally Katie and Adam offhand making selfie videos saying like, we just recorded this really cool episode. 
I learned X, Y, and Z. Please check out the show. And like when they would post those, we would actually see a real boost. So that taught me a lot about what's working in the social space now. As far as House of the Dragon, I mean, HBO makes it easy. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like this show is a worldwide sensation, right? So, I mean, people are reminded every week to watch the podcast. So HBO was an incredible partner to work with when it comes to audience development because they're promoting the podcast every week when they promote the show. They're giving us really crazy, amazing assets they've made. So that was one where it was just like that relationship was just seamlessly working together from from podcast partner to brand partner. The content and the show just meshed so well. The hosts were amazing. We also did a lot of really cool in-person events with HBO when they'd be like at FanCon and different kind of fan events. The podcast would show up, you know, the podcast host would show up um, and do like maybe a live from there, or ask questions or just be there as well. So the integration and the opportunity to integrate with that brand was just candy, you know, like it was just cake, you know, yeah, an audience development dream. So you have these two different ideas of one being like, let's create some general awareness. We made this thing that we know people are going to want to listen to. And the other being, this is going to be a little bit harder to sell because of what it actually is. It doesn't matter if it's just as good. Like, it's just getting people through the door is going to be a little bit tougher. Exactly. So I, I love what you said, though, about just like the the more organic social clips and that kind of thing that really can showcase like the host personality a little bit. You can't really beat the organic nature of like just posting something in the moment that hits on like something timely. Yeah. Um, or, or even just builds a relationship between, you know, the host and the listener. I think one of the biggest things I've learned in the past year and a half really working on these branded shows is like the host matters. The more your host is excited about what they're creating and like into promoting what they're creating, it makes a, a really big difference. We had a show called Mind the Business with Intuit QuickBooks this year as well. And we had two TikTok stars as hosts. And that made a difference too. It, it wasn't like a main driver of audience development or, or downloads or anything, but the days that one of our hosts, uh, Austin Hinkowitz, created like organic posts, again, like of just him talking about the podcast and something that they talked about versus like these video assets that I created, you know, like it just it really did make a difference when you have hosts who are engaged and who have engaged audiences who really trust them when it doesn't feel like an ad. So I think one of the big secret sauces of our team is having access to really amazing talent and getting really amazing talent on these branded shows so that people are already coming in as a fan of a certain personality or have a certain trust of this personality and, and really creating a show that doesn't feel like a big fat ad, but really feels like stories that we're connecting to and that we're interested in. Yeah. And that's so tough in, in a lot of situations. I mean, people are coming to you with like, you know, a lot of money, presumably to make these shows. So you know, it's out of reach for, for some companies, but the principles remain the same. Like the idea is to make something that somebody would actually want to listen to. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about the ways in which you all are doing this with the information, the scale and the resources. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you is like, how do you all measure success? Clearly, some of your shows are like really driving conversions to sales. And I'm sure that that's a big metric for you. Let's really like break it down. Like what KPIs are you guys looking at? Like what tools are you using to measure that? Sure. So I think with each brand, it's different. They have a different goal with creating a podcast. With Mattress Firm, the goal was to kind of like build that awareness to get more people in stores to buy mattresses. 
And so like that was really great. We we do brand studies. Usually the brand is also doing studies along with us to kind of like see how effective this media is. As far as me, what am I using to track? I'm using, you know, I'm, I'm tracking the success of my campaigns. I'm using probably what everybody else uses, Chartable, OmniTriton. Like there's, you know, kind of like the basics. I plan and strategize pretty episodically. So for me, success looks like, okay, a new episode came out, but my whole catalog grew. Like I'm seeing growth in my whole catalog. I'm seeing people, new people discover and then stay for more than one episode. So like that to me is like how are we creating engaged, loyal listeners? Those are the kind of KPIs that I set for myself. But yeah, for each brand, it's different. Each partner kind of has a different goal. Like sometimes when we work with pharmaceutical companies, we are, we're zeroing in on very small, specific audiences. So it's like not like, oh, how many downloads we can get, but like, are we reaching those people and how are they responding to the content? We spoke to Harry Morton of Lower Street and he had a comment where the addressable audience for some of the shows that they work on may only be 500 people. So if they can get 400 of them, that's like a massive success. Yes, exactly. And so at what point in the process do you come in? Like at what point do you all start thinking about the audience development? As soon as they sell through, you know, like I'm part of those initial kickoff calls when we're thinking about, okay, what audience do we reach? What hosts do we want? I'm, I'm giving my suggestions and I'm thinking about what kind of assets we want to create. What do we want our art to look like? You know, where are these audience living and like, how can we build the show to really reach them? Are there certain episodes we can do to really reach X, Y, and Z? So it's, I'm there pretty early. <laughs> I'm there pretty early and I'm working pretty hand in hand with our producers kind of shaping the vision of the show. And once we have that vision locked down, then I'm like full speed ahead on strategy for the season. How are we going to launch? It's so interesting to think about how you all consider like branded podcast production because to be blunt, like you have the privilege of being able to kind of come up with an idea and then actually go and do it. Whereas that's not always the case. And I know that Ruby is new. It's only a few months old at the time of this recording. But from what I can see, it seems like you guys are really, you know, making strides in the right direction and frankly, like setting precedent for the rest of the industry. So kudos to y'all. Yeah, I will say like our leadership is really committed to telling good stories no matter who's kind of coming on, like how can we really tell good, engaging stories and be kind of anti-boring branded content? <laughs> yeah. And not to say that that is like rampant in the rest of the industry or anything, but like this is hard. It's really difficult to do this. Yeah, it is. it is. It is a challenge. But I think having that commitment from our leadership and having that trust with the brands really does make a difference. So I have one last question. Uh, now that you've, you've just said that, how, how do you approach a brand when you can kind of get the sense that like what they want to do is not the right move for the best product? What, what are your tactics to having that conversation? So like I said, we, we kind of like frame ourselves as the expert, right? And we are. We are. We are the podcast expert. So if is there something that they're stuck on that we know just really won't work, we, we try to back up what we're saying because we're not just like, oh, just trust us. That doesn't work. It's like, let me give you examples of why that doesn't work and what could work really better, what has worked really better from either work that we've done or work we've seen in the industry. So we really try to like be able to back up what we say because a lot of them are just learning. They aren't deeply knowledgeable about the podcast industry and kind of what works here. So really framing ourselves as the expert and bringing, you know, the receipts, <laughs> so to say, of like, this is why this will really work for you. And this is why this is like a really risky, maybe not so good idea. Exactly to your point, like when I first started the podglomerate, like oftentimes my conversations with clients, like they, they trusted us to do the work and to do it well, but it took a little while before they, there was like the blind trust. Yeah. And a, a big part of the reason that that ultimately happened is because they just saw the results. 
Listeners can find Amber at LinkedIn, or you can head to ruby.iheart.com to learn more about what she's working on. For more podcast-related news, info, and takes, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Umbro. Podcast Perspectives is a production of The Podglomerate. If you are looking for help producing, distributing, or monetizing your podcast, you can find us at thepodglomerate.com. Shoot us an email at listen at or follow us on all social platforms at Podglomerate. This episode was produced by Chris Boniello and Henry Lavoy. And thank you to our marketing team, Joni Deutsch, Madison Richards, Morgan Swift, Annabella Panna, and Vanessa Almond. And a special thank you to Dan Christo. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next week.